stop complaining about how America is set up and start taking advantage of it. Cause this is the best country in the world to make money and get rich. It's right. not the best company in the world to be a freeloader and rely on the government. If you want to do that, go to Sweden, go to Canada and be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. My girl's Canadian. I love that country, but I'm here to get money and, and dip. And uh, I w- I'm going to do it here in America. And then I'll, I'll dip to the islands when I feel like it. Hey, turn me up some. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No, Deanna, speak that shit that everybody voucher. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations? Why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper I've been Chase of greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later. In the conversation, we strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments, and sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No, Deanna speak that shit that everybody voucher. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. This episode is sponsored by Bees. She is the creator of the Gifetize app and the author of the Financial Starter Kickbook. Bees works in the defense industry as an overseas contractor. After years of studying financial literacy and investing, she is now financially free. The Financial Starter Kit comes with a free money allocation spreadsheet and gives you all the resources that you need to take control of your finances today. You can purchase the book at financialstarterkit.com. If you want to learn more about the defense industry and how to obtain a stable, high-paying career in the States or overseas, you can purchase her Defense Industry Guide at www.defenseindustry.guide. Also, for more information, you can follow her on Twitter at capital underscore SB. Today's episode is also brought to you by Brandon Thomas Insurance Services. Brandon Thomas Insurance Services is an independent insurance broker that is accredited by the BBB with a focus on life and health insurance products. They provide insurance coverage for all family members' needs, whether it be children that need affordable life insurance, adults that want term and permanent life insurance options, or seniors that need Medicare or final expense policies. They offer free consulting and quoting to those states in which their services are provided, which include Texas, Louisiana, Colorado, North Carolina, Nevada, Georgia, California, and Ohio. Make sure y'all go check them out at bthomasinsurance.com or give them a call at 512-549-6123. Cool. So, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I am your host, Xavier. Got my co-host, D, with me. Hey, everybody. And today, we have another uh, another special guest. So, this will be another amazing episode. And he goes by the name of Chase Mayer. He's a real estate investor. He's a podcaster. He's the host of Life Worth Chasing Podcast. So, we definitely advise everybody to check that out. And we're super excited to have him on. So, welcome to the show, bro. 
Man, I appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. You guys uh, have a fantastic podcast, a very loyal audience. I love what you guys are doing. So I'm stoked to come on here and, and share and chop it up with y'all. Thank you. We appreciate that. And just getting right into it. So the first question we, we ask all our guests. So for those who may not be familiar with you, just give a little background on yourself. Yeah, no doubt, man. So I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. I grew up on the car lot. My dad, uh, my parents were entrepreneurs. They own used car dealerships. And from the age of like eight, 10 years old, man, I just started hustling everything. I, I was picking up trash. I was cleaning cars. Uh, I just loved the work, man. And then in my teens, I was like, uh, you know, wanting to be in the sales department and I did everything. I went all the way to a managerial role there. I put my way through college, paying for myself while working that job full time, just always a hustler. And uh, man, it got to the point I was like 22, 23 years old. And my dad was like, I'm ready to retire. Do you want the business or I'm going to sell it? I said, no, nah, man, I don't want to be in the car business forever. Go ahead and sell it. So I put in all that work. I didn't have any equity or anything. He sold it. And um, I moved to the West Coast, had a bunch of money in the bank. And I was feeling on top of the world, man. I didn't know anything about, uh, you know, social media or podcasting or entrepreneurship. I just knew sales. I moved to the West Coast, man. And two years go by, I blew every single dollar I had. I, uh, I was down in the dumps, man. I was doing drugs. I was partying too much. I was focused way too much on partying and girls. And then I met uh, my girl now and uh, her and her family kind of helped me turn things around uh, unknowingly. And uh, now, man, I'm a full-time uh, real estate investor. I run a wholesale operation, fix and flip operation out in uh, San Diego. We invest in three different markets and I got a team and uh, I'm just living life, bro, doing my thing. Man, that's amazing, bro. I got so you I got so much I want to I want to say but I don't even know where to start. And I just want to say salute to you and and, and uh, congrats for you to coming up out that situation and make it so much better. Cuz so many for people sure. when that happens they quit, they give up on life. So for you to come up out of that, that's amazing, bro. And, but yeah, uh I had too much to lose, bro. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. But I want to go I want to go back to you. So you said your parents were entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So pretty much like my parents, they wasn't entrepreneurs. They had nine to fives and D parents was the same. So when I talk to people that had parents as entrepreneurs, I'm always interested in like how they came up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Cause I know it's a difference. So like, what was the things like, what, did, did you ever have a job or was that something your parents was like, or you just came up knowing like, I'm not going to work for nobody ever. So um, for, to answer your question, did I ever have a job? I've had one uh, like, wagey employee type job um it was at a surf shop and i got it because i wanted to get it and i wanted to know what that was like uh actually no i had two jobs bro so i had one i was like 16 i was doing surf lessons and i was like packing up the surf shop and stuff um probably the first surfer y'all had on this show <laughs> yeah, i think so i think yeah so. cool. and uh yeah I, I did that for like uh a year year and a half and i was just like damn bro i'm making 7 15 an hour when i can go hustle for my dad and make like 25 bucks an hour doing sales and stuff so that didn't last long and then uh when i was in college um i wanted to know what it was like to work in a nightclub so i worked in a nightclub for like three months bro and i was i made up some bs excuse of why i couldn't work no more i was like i am over this i just don't like where like time equals money consistently right. i i want to be able to to leverage that and not have a ceiling you know exactly so uh i got over it pretty quickly mm -hmm. and then what it was like growing up with entrepreneur parents 
the first thing that comes to my mind is stressful. Uh, they work together. My dad brought work home with them every single night. We knew all the problems that was going on. And um, that's one of the things that I really value in my girl's dad is he runs a massive company. He's one of those like closet wealth guys, mm-hmm. massive company, like 185 employees and, and never once had the girls uh, of her family ever said that he brought work home with them. And so I try to live by that now. Um, but man, growing up entrepreneurs, it was stressful. I always knew the problems. But uh, there was some sort of like uh, mystique or like interest about it. I always wanted to just like learn more of what he was doing and how they made money. And they bought low and sell high in the car business. And that's what I do in real estate now. Mm. So it was, the, it, was, it was lessons, lessons learned. It's A lot of lessons, bro. Yeah. Yep. I wanted to ask you, um, so I know you said like you went through like a whole lot those first few years and you pretty much had to rebuild yourself. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, we have those points where we just get like these low points in our lives and a lot of people don't really know how to come up out of that. So for our listeners, like, what did you personally do to rebuild yourself and like what advice would you give to someone in that same situation? Mm, for sure. You know, I think um, people can take this how they want. I feel like I've always had a good head on my shoulders and I've always been confident. Um, I've always like had a good set of skills when it comes to money, but I just got involved in the wrong crowd uh, mm-hmm. in my mid twenties. Uh, when I was in San Diego, I got involved in, uh, uh, you know, we can say whatever we want on here, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, yeah. just cocaine, ketamine, alcohol, just partying too much. And I just got involved in the wrong crowd. And no matter how many skills I had and no matter how hard I worked, I was, I was like flipping cars on the side there, just partying, burning through my cash. Um, dude, one day, I looked in my bank. I had $500. I went from 50,000 to $500. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself, like, I have to focus, I have to do something. Me flipping cars and living off my, my real estate investments on the East coast, like is not enough. I'm I'm not going to be able to take care of family. I'm not gonna be able to take care of myself and, and take it to the next level. And, um, like the next day I was like, I'm going to, I think I'm going to do real estate. So I started DMing people on it on Facebook who I kind of knew that were in, in real estate. I got connected to this dude I went to college with. He was a hard money lender. I tried it for three months. I didn't make a dollar. And then I was like, all right, maybe I'll be a real estate agent. I saw this training course. It was 500 bucks. I had 500 bucks. I spent my last dollar on this training course. And then uh, 2016 and 2017, I sold like $25 million of real estate as an agent. Um, and like won a bunch of awards. And I realized the investors were making more money than me. And I'm like, I already know how to invest. I've been doing it since I was 18. That's when I bought my first house. Why am I a full-time agent? So that's when I just said, screw it. I'm going to be a full-time investor and just never look back. Wow, man, bro. You got, you got so much stuff I want to touch on, man. But first I want to ask, so you talked about how you went to to Cali and you pretty much blew all your money. And I think this is an important conversation because I always try to stress out to people like, that you could blow money so fast and so easily. Like you may think you have a lot, but it could be gone like, like in an instant. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about like how long, how long, what was the, the time, the, the time period for you to blow all that money? So it was two years, but it was two okay. years. Cause I was making like three grand a month flipping cars. Okay. And uh, I was like flipping cars on Craigslist. And then I also was making at the time, like, 1800 bucks a month, uh, off my real estate deals. So off my, I have rental properties on the East coast. So 
two years to burn through 50K cash while also pulling in, let's call it 4,500 bucks a month. Um, so I don't know, you could do the math on that, but, um, you know, fast enough to know I needed to turn things around. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, man. You go ahead, D. I see you want to say something. Uh, you kind of threw in there that you bought your first property. Property, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I well, wanted you to circle back and uh, tell us how that went. Uh, it went terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. I bought my first house. And I, I'm telling you, this is not even an exaggeration. The worst month to ever buy a house in the U.S. housing market history, June 2008. Oh. Mm. So I just aged myself right there. I'll be, I'm 30. I don't know when this will come out. I'll be 31 in a couple of weeks. And um, yeah, June 2008. So I had, I was like selling cars. I had like 30 or 40 grand in the bank at 18 years old. I was paying college cash. My dad, he, he, he was one of those dudes. I won't um, give you a fish, but I'll teach you how to fish. Like so that. he was like, I'll pay for your sister's college, but I ain't paying for yours, but I'll, gi I'll give you a job. You know what I mean? Like that kind of, I'll teach you how to make money. So I just got good at it. And um, I was like, man, freshman year, I come to sophomore year. I'm like, I don't know if I want to rent. We're going to split a house. Why don't I just take this half this 30 grand, go buy a house and I'll rent out the, the rooms to my buddies, my, my oh, frat man. buddies, you know? it was house hacking, but I didn't know bigger pockets. I didn't know what house hacking was. It was just like an idea that I had. So I was smart though, because I was like, instead of a three bedroom, I'll buy a four bedroom and then I'll buy something with a garage that I can rent that out too. So I kind of like worked the system in a way, but man, by, uh, by June, 2009, my housing, um, the value of it dropped 43%. And I'll never forget looking at Zillow. I paid 201,000. I'll never forget looking at Zillow. And it was, it said like 115,000 or something as the, the Zestimate. And I was like, well, shit, I'm going to be stuck in this for a while. Right. And, uh, and then a couple of years later, I was like, uh, you know, I always heard about this dude named Warren Buffett. And he says, when there's blood in the streets, that's when you buy. And so I was like, I'll just buy another one. Fuck it. So I bought another one and then another one and then another one. And, um, it, it evened out. I still got that one house, but it taught me a lesson of, uh, like studying markets and, and knowing about timing and going through inspections and valuing rent to price ratio. I learned a lot from it. Mm, that, I, that's, that's important. Cause I think a lot of people, when they get into real estate, they don't understand those things. So they just jump into the game, trying to, trying to make money without knowing it's a lot of different variables that you have to, you know what I'm saying, consider and put in mind when you're doing these deals, which a lot of people don't do. We talk to people all the time. They're just like, yeah, this house is X, Y, and Z. I'm thinking about buying it without, without any other factors being into yeah. it. So that's, that's definitely a big part. And I, something I want to ask you is you, you brought up how your parents, they pretty much like, they just didn't give you anything. They made you work for, or made yeah. you work for it. They didn't pay for your college. And I, I really agree with that. Like lately, what's crazy is like me and Deanna, we just had this conversation recently because we, we didn't have a savings account for, we don't have kids, but when we do have kids, we've been putting like money away from them for like three years now. And then like earlier, probably like last week, I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I don't think, cause we was using it for like their education or whatever. I'm like, I don't think we should give them this money anymore. She's like, she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, think about it. If I was growing up and I knew I had hundreds of thousand dollars waiting on me till I was 18, I wouldn't do shit. Like, I would have just been, like, resting on my laurels, kicking, like, oh, I'm good, just doing dumb stuff. And, it like, kind of, I think it makes you lazy. I know that's how that's how I would have been. So, I'm like, I think we need to not give them anything and make them work and earn everything. 
the only thing you should give them is opportunities. Opportunities. That's and education. And, and like, support. Uh, so when I say he didn't give me nothing, he gave me opportunity. He didn't ever right. give me any money, though. Actually, he gave me one thing. So when I was 16, he gave me a $4,000 red Ford Ranger, and he taught me how to sell it for 5000 mm. And then with that 5000 I bought a Bronco. And he taught me how to sell it for 6,000. And then with that 6,000, I bought a Honda Civic. And then I kind of like went on my own. And I was the dude in high school that had like nine cars before he graduated. And I just flipped them all. And everybody was thought uh, it was because my, oh, his dad must be rich. He got all these cars, but they didn't know. I was stacking it on my own, putting them on Craigslist, selling them on my own. Um, you know, so yeah, man, I, I think opportunities. I'm definitely not going to have some college fund for my kids. Right. They probably won't even go to college to be right. honest. But um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, out here in Cali, y'all are out here too. You see the trust fund babies. I mean, how many of them are successful? Most of them exactly. are lazy doing drugs exactly. and uh, you know, they're, they're yeah. more worried about their IG image than their bank yep. account. That's facts. And that's, that's why I think that's why I came up with that. Cause I'm like, most people that I see that get all that money, they they never do anything productive with it long term because they never have to work for anything. So it's like, because you know, right now, like wealth building, especially like in the black community, is such a popular thing now. Which, and they, and they want to give their kids things that they never had. But it's like we gotta understand that you gotta make things, you gotta make people earn stuff. You just can't give them anything because what's the point of getting up every day if you just know I'm gonna be given X amount of money if I don't do shit? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's a part of it that people gotta talk about more. Speaking of that, can I say one thing I wanted to say in the beginning? Um, go ahead, go ahead. So where I'm, I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia, but uh, I didn't grow up um, like always just like surfing and everything. I, I actually grew up playing basketball and I grew up, um, you know, mostly from the time of like eight years old to 14 years old with, with black friends playing basketball, dropped off at the rec center, not at daycare you know, not after school program, drop off at the rec center. And most of my friends were, were black who I was hanging out with. And then uh, I went to college in Norfolk, which is a, a, a mostly black city. The, the neighborhoods that I own properties in, mostly black neighborhoods. And so the reason why I bring that up is because I want to honor the both of you for uh, building your community and helping your community with your podcast. And why I think it's so important is there's so many people that do it in a way where um, they, I don't know how to say it, where they try to, uh, seclude other communities mm. and you guys do it in a way where I think it's so positive and you're trying to help so many people. Um, but you, you make all communities and no right. matter what people look like, feel good about listening to your podcast. So I want to honor you guys because I've been around a lot of the, I've seen a lot of the troubles and a lot of the issues that are in the black community and mm. in, in poverty, white communities too. But I just want to honor you guys for, for doing such a great job at that. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. That was for something sure. that was, that was something intent. We never really talked about it before. That was something intentional on our part. Cause we, I know people, through all walks of life like the military taught me that so i know people could use it and take the information no matter where they are so it, you know what i'm saying information ain't prejudice or none of that to me so you know what i'm saying so that's how yeah. i felt about it so i, I definitely i appreciate that and uh something i seen you talk about on uh twitter i'm like we definitely gotta we got we definitely gotta have this conversation is you talked about how you did your first uh million dollar deal in 2015 so I know, if, I know when I say that, people are like, oh, yeah, he got to talk about that. So you mind sharing it? So yeah, yeah. I, I posted something. I'm a big Lil Wayne fan. And so <laughs> uh, I posted something and he, I was like, uh, 
I, I'm telling you, a couple days ago, I'm like putting this, uh, it's like a $1.4 million deal together. And I'm telling you, Lil Wayne was on and he said, million dollar deals for my iPhone. So I was like, man, let me tweet that when, when Wayne said that. And at the time when I was listening to that, I don't know, that was maybe like six or seven years ago. I think it was Carter too. I never thought I was going to be doing deals like that. I thought I was just going to be doing the hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar houses. And so, yeah, in 2015, man, I was, uh, I, I like just got my agent, my license and I was working for this investor and I put together, um, you know, a deal for him and it was a, a million plus, um, and I represent them as the buyer. Uh, and then I'd, I'd list it. And that just kind of came my niche over the next couple of years. And so, you know, living in San Diego, selling and flipping houses, selling development deals to investors. I've done several uh, of those deals. So I just want to clarify, it wasn't a million in my pocket, but it was a, a price tag of a, a multi-million dollar deal and, and had done plenty. And you learn a lot when there's a lot of, lot of money on the line. You learn like, uh, you know, people's expectations and how to to hold your end of the bargain for sure, man. There's a lot at stake. Mm. And you master integrity and you oh, know, yeah. really being a person of your word while working with people like that. I've learned that a lot, just dealing with a bunch of different customers of all different price ranges. Yeah, for sure. Mm. For sure. Mm. And you said you was uh, pretty much already in sales. So how, let me ask you this. So how beneficial do you think that has been to your success as an entrepreneur? Everything sales, bro. How'd you get D? You sold. <laughs> yeah, everything is sales. You ain't lying. Everything sales, bro. So for me, I think there's three different types of skill sets. There's communicative, which is sales. There's creative, which is like you know art, uh, music, uh, things like that. And then there's technical, like coders. Um, you know, design, like certain types of graphic designers, technical skills. And so for me, my whole life is around the communicative, the sales. I think if somebody takes one of those um, and, and focuses on that, somebody that's really good at graphic design or art is probably not going to be good at sales. Somebody that's really good at coding is probably not going to be good at, at sales. So, um, you know, just pick one of them. For me, it was sales. So it helps me with everything. And the way that I built my business, the way that I built my podcast, I hire out every other aspect and I keep sales kind of, kind of with me because that's my strong suit. So what are some tips you can give out to the audience on being a good salesperson? <laughs> uh, to be interested, not interesting. And what I mean by that is have genuine curious uh, curiosity on what is the customer or the person on the other end of the phone or the other end of the other end of the desk. What's their problem? Ask questions he or she who asks the questions controls the conversation. And so ask questions with an end goal in mind, be genuinely curious, be genuinely interested and, and just shut up and let them talk. And so be interested, not interesting. I can't tell you how many times I'll hire somebody and they would come out of the appointment and they'll tell me, oh man, we were talking so much about surfing or so much about golf and, and about the Cowboys. And like, I just feel like I built so, I such good rapport and then they wouldn't get the deal because they focus too much on being interesting, not interested. I said, well, what's the seller's problem? What are you trying to solve? Oh, I don't know, but I feel really good about this one. And they would never get it. So focusing on the problem and, and, and being the solutions provider is, is the way to win the deal. Mm. That's a bar right there. It goes a long way. I feel like a lot of people forget that part to like actually listen to what the mm -hmm. other person is saying. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And when you're negotiating, stand your ground and zip your mouth 
he who talks first loses. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, he giving us some negotiation game right there. Yeah, think, man. <laughs> that's but this like negotiation is one of those topics that I don't think it could ever be talked about enough because you always got new people entering business and people that's not experienced and they need all that information as as, as much information as they, get, they can get. They need it because negotiation. That's business one on one right there. Yeah, like, no matter hundred percent. Yeah, no matter what industry. And here's another thing: you think a robot's ever going to be able to sell? Probably not anytime soon. Right. So, like, if we're talking about longevity of careers, being able to talk, being able to speak, being able to connect, and being able to sell, I don't see that being automated in mm. my lifetime and, and y'all's lifetime. So, I think it's a really valuable skill set. Yeah, that's true. And this is what some people, they'll respond to that and they'll say, well, I'm just not a good speaker. I'm not a good, I'm not a good communicator or, or whatever it is. What is your response to people that, that say that? Do you think they could still be good at selling if they don't, not the best communicator? I think they can be good, but probably not great. I, th- mm. I think like uh, there's like an innate talent. And so focus on what your talent is. So if your talent is not communications and if you're really good at you know, the creative side or the technical side, then, then go in on that because anybody can get good at something. I mean, I can get good at building a website, but I'll never be great. I can get good at graphic design, but I'll never be great. And the money's made at at greatness. You know what I mean? Mm. And so I think, I think uh, to go from good to great, you got to have that natural talent and everybody's a natural at something. You just got to figure out what it is. Mm. That's heavy right there. And I want to go into flipping properties because you talked about that as well. So when did you do your first flip? Um, a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. How, yeah. how did that go? It went great. I, I like. I never lost money on a flip. I'm not saying oh. that I never will. I mean, I, I I don't think I ever will. Actually, I think I'm. Pretty good at it. <laughs> Talk your shit, man. Talk I, I think I'm shit. pretty decent at it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. I mean, yeah. A couple of years ago, it was fun. I mean, it was a condo. It was, uh, you know, you want to hear a story about it? It's yeah, because people always say, you know, never touch, never fuck with condos. That's what all. That's what people always say. I say never rent, never buy it as a rental, but mm-hmm. f- flip them. I mean, that's easy yeah. money, dude. That's mm-hmm. you don't even got to touch the outside. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I would never hold anything with an HOA as an investment property. Right. Right. All right. So check this out. This house. Um, my, my team hit, hit it up. Uh, they hit up the guy off market. I, you know, I was like wholesaling and, and stuff first before I had the cash. And then I was like, I need to go ahead and buy one of these myself. So we hit the dude up and uh, I was talking to the owner's cousin. And I like, I met him at, uh, at like a Starbucks or something. And he was telling me that the owner was in a wheelchair. And this girl, this lady had been squatting in the condo for like two years and the owner was such a nice guy. He was still making the mortgage and the HOA payments without the girl even renting it. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, are you, that's crazy. And uh, the ARV was probably like 275. And I was like, man, all right, we got a squatter in there. I can't even see the inside because I'm gonna have to finesse this and, and buy it without even seeing the inside. But I thought to myself, if somebody's living in there, it can't be too bad, right? Like it's obviously livable. So um, I got the deal for 155,000, and um, I basically went to the squatter a week, two weeks before closing, and I acted like I was in, um, uh, uh, like some sort of, um, what do you call it? Uh, 
I totally made up that I was not the new buyer, that I was like a service provider for the seller to issue a notice for her to vacate the property. Mm. And I negotiated, I said, the seller's willing to give you 1500 if you're out in 30 days or 2500 if you're out in two weeks. And uh, they took the 2500 And so I got them out the day before I closed. They didn't even know I was the one that was taking ownership. And uh, yeah, the, the rehab was like 35 grand. I made like 45,000 on like a $155,000 purchase. So, I mean, that's a home run in my opinion. Hell yeah, that's a home run. That was so, brilliant on your part to get, this, to get the squatter out of there. Yeah. And then since then, I've done a few more squatters and here in San Diego and in California in general, most blue states actually, people, most investors are like afraid of squatters because the eviction process is so tough in, in yep. blue states. Um, but I challenge everybody to use that technique of cash for keys and just be nice and, and go negotiate and, and don't be, don't be a dick. And, uh, and usually people will take some cash and a good estimate is like, uh, like one month's, uh, rent, like whatever they're paying and rent, give them that amount. That's kind of like a good estimate. Mm. Do you wholesale in San Diego or yeah. California? Yeah. Do you, um, well, I know like a lot of people kind of get discouraged with wholesaling in more expensive markets. So can you yeah. like, talk about that process or provide some advice on doing that? Yeah. So um, I have, I rip huge checks wholesaling in San Diego. Like I, believe, I believe 30, I believe. 40, 50 K wholesale fees. Um, but the the problem is you can go, a couple months and not do a deal. So like your, your volume of quantity of deals is going to be lower than like an Alabama or a Georgia or a Florida. Um, but you'll rip like a really fat check doing it. And so I think it comes down to, it's definitely not, and it's much harder to competitions way higher. Um, expensive areas are definitely more for fix and flippers. Whereas I think like cheap areas uh, where there's more cash buyers for rentals. Those are probably better to build a wholesale business. So in my opinion, it's very difficult to build an operation in an expensive market, a wholesale operation, because it's not that scalable when your money is like 50K here, two months later, 40K there, you know, three months later, 70K there versus, you know, five grand three times a week. You can kind of mm -hmm. predict that income a little bit more and then hire based on that. So I would tell anybody that's wholesaling in an expensive market, uh, either add a couple cheaper markets, like I do it in Arizona uh, as well, add a couple cheaper markets so you can fill in the gap and be more predictable or do it short term uh, and focus more on uh, flipping and, and rehabbing uh, because you'll make more money that way. That'll kind of hold you over for the, the dead time in between. Mm, I hope that, that makes sense. sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Is that Oh, you want to go? You go no, you go, D. Okay, I was just going to say, like, and as far as, like, wholesaling in markets outside of California, for that virtual process, do you build or do you have teams in different markets or do you just do it all virtually and electronically? I rely on contractors and agents. Okay. And mm. uh, it's a, it sucks. It's a struggle. I, I mm. actually don't really like the virtual game. Um, I'm actually in the process of, like, retooling my business uh, to be less virtual wholesaling and then the other markets, uh, continue getting my lead cost down. And I'm actually starting to sell those leads to other wholesalers, investors, agents, things like that. It's just more scalable. Uh, 
personally, I'm not great at building a virtual wholesale operation. I know we have some mutual friends and, and my mm-hmm. boy Donovan. I mean, people kill it with that. You got to recognize when you're just not great at something. And for me, the virtual game, I'm not that great at it. But here locally, you put me in front of a seller and, and I'm going to get a great deal. So it's just not my cup of tea, but the lead generation side is. So I'm kind of switching things up a little bit. I'm going to keep doing business here locally and then all the other markets, unless I can keep it as a rental, I'm going to sell the lead rather than uh, do the wholesaling process. Mm, okay and something random that just crossed my mind i'm like yeah i think i I want to bring it up like every couple months there's this random hypothetical scenario on twitter that that people always come up with and uh yesterday uh this guy tay shout out to tay he tweeted uh which one would you rather have four uh 4k a week for the rest of your life or three million dollars right now and it was always like a big thing. And me and me and Chase, we had different opinions on it. But before we give ours, I want you to give yours, D. What would you do? Oh, nice. Well, new. <laughs> I'm hey, that's, my, that's my girl. Let's go. <laughs> I'm not about to wait on. I ain't about okay, to wait it out. Why you why why are you taking the three mil? Because I feel like I could do more with that three mil getting it right now than waiting to just get this income just like over time like i could take that three mil flip it invest it do so much more with it rather than i mean if you uh if i i feel like for a person who don't got that mentality no offense to nobody but taking it over time and just chilling and doing you that's cool but for me i feel like i could do so much more so i would take it right now and make some things happen i get i, I feel that i feel that so me what i said i said i would take the 4k and the reason was because i was i was i was doing the math and stuff i'm like all right 4k a week that's that's uh two hundred and eight thousand a year. So then two hundred and eight thousand a year after fourteen years, you'll have that three K. Now that's fourteen years, that could be a long time. Who knows if you live that long? But in this scenario, I'm saying if you do live that long and you make it those fourteen, fifteen years, you got the you got the three mil and it's guaranteed you're gonna keep getting it. Like investments, as we all know, investments not guaranteed. Something could go wrong. Now it's easy. To you know, what I'm saying if you got three mil to invest in, you can invest in safe. You can invest in safe and make a hundred thousand a year easily. So I definitely see both sides of the coin. But for me, with the 4K being guaranteed, like I'm gonna take the guaranteed money because who knows what could happen. But I know you and Chase on the same. But I'm gonna give Chase. What was your uh, What was your answer? I'm taking the three mil. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, just facts. So here's the thing. Um, you just said, if I take out, am I not going to live that long? So first off, the the easiest way to take the three mil is you could die tomorrow, bro. So at least you got that three mil for, for D. You could give it to D. You could yep. give it to your mom. You could give it to your, your children, whatever, right? Yep. Let's remove that. Let's say we're going to live at least 30 years, okay? Check this out. Three mil, if I invest it and I get 7% a year, which is very conservative. I mean, we're getting you know, 15, 15% plus, right? Yep. 7% a year. I'm going to make 43.75 a week. So I'm already going to make more than you a week. Plus, mm. I still got the three mil. Mm. It's still, I still got it. All right. Then. The other just smirking. Yeah. Then over time, <laughs> check this out. Over time the way I'm investing it, I'm going to be beating inflation and I'm going to be, my compounding is going to get higher and higher and higher. Whereas you in 15 years, how much is 4,000 bucks going to be worth? A lot less than 4,000 today. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
So that's true. That's but what about all right? What about you? Hey, what hang about on, you even you even tweeted yesterday. You said, uh, <laughs> you said people. <laughs> yeah, let's pull them up. I wish I wish I had like a screen, like right? a podcast screen, where I'm right I'm like, court. pull up that tweet. <laughs> nah, you about to this you me? You about to this you me? This you? So check this out. You even tweeted, uh, people are. People look at investing as spending on a liability. Right. They need to realize that when they invest, the money's still there. So, bro, I got the three mil still, but now I'm getting forty three seventy five a week. You're getting four grand a week. So, what if I took that extra three seventy five and I invested that too? Mm, that's fact. That's fact. That's fact. But what about taxes though? When you get that three mil, how much are they gonna take out of taxes? She's oh no, 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 this was this was net. I'm getting net. <laughs> I'm getting net three mil. <laughs> okay. Okay, all right, y'all. So you you saw me. You definitely right because if you invest all of it, you could easily get over four thousand dollars a week. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's being like, not, that's just being like conservative. You ain't got to mm-hmm. even be aggressive with that, and you right. could get you could get like four k. So yeah, y'all sold me on that. I was I, I was I was I was being safe. So I'm I'm thinking like baseball money, guaranteed, guaranteed check. That's what I was thinking. Oh, you gotta about. take them risks if you really want to make some things happen. That's right. Yeah, yeah you're definitely right about that. That's a that's. A, I, I think a reason why a lot of people think of that is because a lot of people, especially in our community, wealth Twitter, money Twitter, a lot of the people that are still working on getting their bread up, they are. Um, they're focusing like on cash flow, multiple streams of income. So the, the initial thing is like, give me the cash flow. Right. But if you think about it, like, bro, you can get your three mil and the cash flow. You have the best of both worlds. But that 4K a week takes you 15, 14, 15 years to get up to three mil. Mm, yeah, that, yeah, that's right. That's right. Y'all, yeah, y'all sold me. Y'all sold me. And I guess get so many different uh, sides <laughs> of the coin. Yeah, I definitely, I was, I was wrong on that one. But nah, it's all good. <laughs> but... You want to say something? No, I'm about to. It's about that time. <laughs> Damn, already we're having fun. <laughs> right, we having fun. We're having fun. Just again, it's, it's all it's all good. It's all good. Mm-hmm. But, but thanks again, Chase. I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely, a hundred percent. It's my honor. I my pleasure. I, I had a blast. Good. No, we, me, me and Chase, we still going, D. So okay. you know, do it, do it. Oh, dope, man. Do it, do whatever, do whatever you need to do, D. It's all, all right. Cool. Hey, nice meeting you, D. Nice meeting you too. Have a good one. Hey, yeah. we gotta we gotta follow each other, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna follow you. All right, cool. So, uh, oh man, I I forgot my train of thought for a second. What I was about to ask you? Oh, this is what I was about to this is what I was about to ask. So, and this is this is like random as hell, man. But I was uh reading online yesterday. I was just reading about like uh wealth, and I was saying I was reading something because I'm always like looking up, like, what is the threshold? Like, what's the 1%? Like what I got to, like, I'm like, in my mind, I'm like super competitive. So it's like, I'm just trying to run up the scoreboard. I'm looking like Googling like the one. And it's always like different answers on like, you know, it's really like subjective for real at this point. It seems like, cause it'll be like, some people will say 10 million. Then you got people that say five. So in your opinion, what is like, what is wealth to you? Um, before I answer that, you know, we, we talked about this on Twitter too. Remember, yeah. you were talking about. I think you were like, "Man, I want to be worth a billion. And I was like, mm-hmm. "I don't want to be worth a billion. Yeah, and you were like, yeah. We'll talk about, remember? Yeah. All right. So, wealth to me is is not a number. Wealth to me is um, 
when you have complete freedom of time, mm. complete freedom of worries, and that you've managed your, your life, your businesses, your investments in a way where the passive income from it completely outweighs your monthly expenses. To me, that's wealth. And so whatever that number is for you mm-hmm. or for whoever's listening, that's your wealth number. Yep. And so if you want to live off 25 grand a, a month, you know, 10, 15 years from now, first off, whatever your number, your first number is, you should probably 10 exit. So if you think I want to be worth a million, you should probably shoot for 10. Cause by the time you get to a million, a million ain't worth much mm. anymore. So, so 10 exit because okay. inflation is a real thing and it's a lot higher than they teach you what it is. Mm. So for me, I'm more, um, it was like 10 million. So I 10 exited to a hundred million. And I personally feel like there's not much of it. Like I almost think there's maybe diminishing returns from a hundred million to, you know, uh, higher than that. Um, I'd rather be like stealth wealth. This is why I have no ill will towards people that are putting their checks and putting all their numbers and how many properties they own on Twitter. They do them. I'm cool with it for sure. But I'd rather be stealth wealth uh, just because, you know, I don't want people like thinking of me differently based off uh, certain things. You know what I mean? I'd rather be known for, for my knowledge and, and how much I give back. And deep down, I know that I got mad money and I'm, I'm good. You know what I mean? That's all that matters to me. And uh, so for me, yeah, you find me in, in, in 20, 30 years, probably probably a hundred mil nine figures i believe it. that's what i'm gunning for man and it'll it'll probably be more than that maybe it might be man we'll see (laughs) yeah yeah but i definitely like like you said though i think it is just uh, all subjective at the end of the day depending on your lifestyle how you live you know you know how much you spend or whatever if you could afford to live that a million times over in my opinion, I don't care how much money you got. I will consider you wealthy because you can yeah. live, you can maintain that lifestyle forever. So that's that's me personally how how uh, how I see it. So yeah, hundred yeah. percent, man. And and also when you're talking about like ten x in that number, bro, I might not ever hit a hundred mil. But I tell you what, if I fail at hitting a hundred mil, I'm gonna fail so damn oh, high man, that that's... that like. It's my failure is still going to be higher than somebody else's success. Man, that's thinking conservative, man. Yo, what you just said is such a major gem that I hope like don't go over people, people's head because I'll talk about that often. How, like I say, even if you don't want to be a millionaire, aim for a million, because even if you don't get there, say you hit 20% of it, you have $200,000 liquid, you still better than most people and you in a good position, you could live a decent lifestyle. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's like, like you don't have to, it's, it's like when you reach the, when you put your goals that high, sometimes it's really not about reaching. Like you said, it's about failing high. Like you ain't for a hundred mil, you hit 50 mil. You going to be mad about that? You know nah, I mean? bro. <laughs> so it's like you, you, you win regardless. Yeah. So that's, yep. a, I, I think, I think people need to do that. Cause so oftentimes you'll talk to people when they'll, like, especially when you build it, it's like, all right, I'm going to aim for 25000 say 25000 It's like, man, twenty. when you get to 25000 you're going to realize 25000 ain't much, and you're going to realize you should have aimed for 250000 or something like that. So you always got to set those goals at a number that you probably don't even believe, but just so it could make you go so much harder, where even if you had half of that, you'll be like, I'm not mad about that. 
Here's another thing, man. So uh, I think I probably shared earlier, I can't quite remember about how I went from that 50K to 500 and I was like, yeah, talk about yeah, it, man. I forgot I, about that. Yeah. And I was like involved in the, the, you know, just drugs and partying and all that. Well, when I was coming out of that, my goal was 100K liquid. And um, I got to like the 82 to 88 range and I got stuck there for like a year. And I think the reason why I got stuck there is because my goal was a hundred grand. Mm. And so every time I'd hit 88 or 89, my foot will come off the gas a little bit. And so like, that's why, uh, like I'm a big fan of Grant Cardone, um, and, and his 10 X rule, you know, now my goal is like the, the one mil liquid, not even talking real estate assets. We're just talking liquid. So I can throw 800 of that at, you know, like a, a 50 unit or something like that. Yep. So, um, you know, the net worth number is higher, but like, like make that liquid number. I, I don't know, man. I just think you got to set it so much higher than, than what you think, because you'll start getting a little lazy and you'll start pulling back a little bit as you, as you come close to that. You know what I mean? So mm. for me, it's like, I don't even count my real estate holdings in my net worth because then I'll start getting lazy because it's a good number you know so <laughs> so for me it's just like uh stocks uh, you know my bitcoin and, and my cash mm -hmm. and actually now i'm starting to not even count my bitcoin because i'm just letting that off to the side so for me it's like i keep making the game harder on myself which is and good. that's the goal man yeah which that's is what good. i'm doing that on purpose mm, that's that's man that's another gem right there and you always have to, to to redo those goals and what you just said about the 100k thing that was like very similar to what happened to me i talked about this on the previous episode like my like since i was a kid because i'm a big jay-z fan and on one of his uh, songs yeah, over. He, yeah, yeah on, on his song he said he said i came into the rap game 100 grand strong no he said 100 grand strong and when i heard that as a kid man i'm telling you I, like i always thought man I used to calculate, like, man, when Jay-Z first album come out? All right, he was 26 when his first album came out. Okay, he had 100 grand at 26. Wow, okay, I won 100 grand at 26. So that was always in my head, like 100,000, 100,000, 100,000. So when I did it, like, when I did it, bro, like, like you said, you took your foot off the pedal because I was content. It was like, I always wanted this. I'm here now. And I probably spent, like, within an, over the next three, three months, probably, I spent, like, 20 grand, bro. And you see how fast, you're like, whoa, damn. You know what I'm saying? That's how I talk about how fast money could go. It was like, damn, I don't even know what it, where it went, bro. I have nothing to show for that. But it was like, man, all right, I need to re -go redo my goals now so I won't get this dissatisfied and be content on that. So that's mm -hmm. a, that's major, man. That's, 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 that's major. Man, the, the worst part about success is a little bit. Mm. <laughs> Hey, that's real. You know, that's real. But the, the people that listen to this and they experience it says they know how real that is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. man. So you got to make your little bit a lot. So you got to 10x that number so that a little bit of that is way more than a lot of your initial goal. And I hope that don't go, doesn't go over people's heads. So, yeah. but I, I will not explain. You, you'll know what I'm talking about. You, you People will know, even, even if they don't know yet, when they experience it, they'll know exactly what you mean by that. Mm -hmm. It's just something that you, uh, cause like I always talk about how, especially like when you a first generation, when you come from a family that might not have done that well, a lot of stuff is no like playbook on, like you know what I'm saying. So it's like you really just figuring it out on your own. And sometimes, well, a lot of people, 
when they figured out the hard way, it goes really it's really the hard way and they have to lose it all to figure it out. But some people I feel like that's what separates like some people from others is some people can learn from others' mistakes and they can just see that and be like, Okay, I'm not gonna go that route. I see what happened with that person. I'ma just I don't have to experience it. I'm just, I see what happened with him, I'ma just go the opposite route. But then you got some people that's just fucking hard-headed and they just like you know what i'm gonna make it work for me i seen it didn't work for this person i'm gonna still try to go that route and make it work and next thing you know boom starts fucked everything up gotta start all over again i see i see that i see that like a lot now that i'm getting older with people because we we younger and we taking we taking risks which is you don't have any children right no so yeah, I'm pretty. You taking? I'm pretty sure you taking. Uh, especially these past couple of years, you've been taking hella risks with your business and stuff like that because you can now. You don't have yeah. no kids, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think in the 20s, man, it's all about skills and risks. Yep. And then uh, you know, I hit I hit 30 last year, and I was like, all right, now I'm gonna, you know, if I was doing risks at 100 percent. Um, let's do eighty percent, and then and then that twenty percent is going more like you know safe stuff, mm-hmm. and then maybe when I'm forty, it might be fifty percent, you know. So I kind of look at it like that. I'm still a big risk taker, uh, but the first rule of making money is don't lose money. And so I'm a risk taker, but it's calculated. You know what I mean? I, I, I research and I look and I make sure. And you know, there's all these people just killing it with like options trading and all that right now, and that's cool. Um, but shiny object syndrome to me, that's a risk that I, I don't want to get into. Cause for me to do it the way I want to do it, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time learning it. Nope. And that's going to take me away from where I'm already making a lot of money. Mm, that's very true, man. I was just literally on a call recently uh, with somebody that was trying to get into real estate. He was trying to get, get in on like a ground level. And I told him like, he didn't have much capital and I was telling him like wholesaling might be a way for you to start. I was like, you can options trade. I was like, it could be very lucrative if you become wise and know what you're doing. And he was like, he was like, well, if it's that lucrative, like, why are you doing it? Why aren't you doing it? And I was like, bro, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like, like you just talk about the shiny object syndrome. I'm like, that's not my thing. And I'm not just because I know other people winning at it. I'm not going to like, I was like, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get into it eventually. But right now I got other things I'm focusing on. When I do stuff, I'm going to put my time and energy into it. So I'm not going to half-ass be, be a half-ass wholesaler or a half-ass options trader. I'm going to really be in it. And I can't, you can't, when you're trying to build something, you can't dedicate your time to a million things because you'll end up getting nothing done. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm not doing that right now because I'm not going to have one foot in and one foot out. And he's, like, he's like, wow. He's like, well, that's a, that's that's definitely a, a smart way. I'm like, yeah. So, like you said, that shiny uh, object syndrome is real with people, especially these days. You get online, Twitter, and you can see somebody made two hundred thousand, hundred thousand. You just like, oh, let me start what I'm doing and go all into this. It's like, yo, focus, focus on your craft, perfect what you're doing first, and then you know what I'm saying, dive into other things and stuff like. That. That's how me personally. That's how I feel about it. I know, man. But when when B posts something and he made like 400k on some Tesla, I, I'm oh, feeling. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking about burning the whole thing down. <laughs> what did I do wrong, man? I should have bought. I should have thrown all my cash at that. So there's no, certain not, times where I start second guessing my philosophies a little bit, though. Yeah, no, there are there are man. Like I shout out to, to B. Shout out to B. I talk to B often, man. He be telling me some shit. I'm like. But it's nothing but motivation and inspiration. Like when yeah. I when I when he tell me some of the stuff he's doing, what he's got going on, it's like 
wow like what the like it's crazy it's, it's really mm-hmm. crazy so that's shout out to him but i want to ask you because i seen you speak about this on twitter as well you talk about uh fiat and how you don't trust fiat currencies and i'm like this is a conversation that we don't really have on this podcast often so and I, I often talk about alternative investing methods so do you mind just talking about that for a second yeah so um for you, what does alternative mean first? I just want to. So uh, when I say alternative, I mean like uh, precious metals. I mean like okay. it could be uh, foreign, foreign, foreign exchanges. It could be cryptocurrencies, uh, okay. art. Uh, what else? What else I'm trying to see? Those are the main things I could think of right now. Okay. So for me, alternative is um, not real estate, not stocks and not right. precious metals. Like I actually okay. put precious metals traditional. I mean, that's the longest standing investment of all time. Mm, you know what I mean? So I don't really think about that as, as alternative, but I'm not saying that you're wrong whatsoever. I would think alternative uh, would be cryptocurrency, right. uh, art, wine, uh, things like that. So for me on the hierarchy of investments, I put uh, business number one, Actually, yep. self, self number one, yourself. Yep. Business number two. Yep. Real estate number three. Stocks number four. Bitcoin. Uh, excuse me, no. Uh, precious metals. Bitcoin. They're kind of together for me. Yep. Um, and I actually don't do anything else. I, I don't do the art. I don't do the wine. I don't do the baseball cards or, or none of that. Not saying that that's not cool, but for me, I'm gonna have to learn that game and study the art and all that. When I don't have to study gold and silver, I don't have to study nope. Bitcoin. I just look at a chart and I can say, okay, that has trended up for a very long time. I know how to buy the dip. So let me just put my money in that and not have to think about it. Mm. Um, so I'm like 50, 60% real estate. And then the other 40% or so, uh, 30% is, 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 uh, 20 to 30% stocks, 10 to 15 is uh, Bitcoin. And then like 5% is, uh, like gold and silver. So yeah, I'm, I've been gaming myself up on the, the fiat and the markets and, and yep. all that. And so, um, in terms of alternative investments, that's that, if you want to talk about, um, fiat and what i think is happening to that i'm happy to share man yeah then we're gonna go into that too but let me ask you this though uh why do you believe in cryptocurrency cryptocurrencies or bitcoin okay so i believe in bitcoin and i believe in uh ethereum but not i don't believe in ethereum like i believe in bitcoin i don't believe in anything else in crypto Um, not that I'm not saying that it's going to fail. I'm just saying, I don't personally believe in it because I haven't learned enough about it yet. Yep. I don't believe in it enough or trust it enough to put my money there. Although I do got some other stuff that I lost a little bit on. Well, you know, I think everybody bought everything in in 2017, but I've made a good amount of money on Bitcoin and Ethereum. I feel confident in those. The reason why I believe in Bitcoin is this. Let's say you have a hundred dollars. Okay. And that hundred dollars worth a hundred dollars. And then the people that make that hundred dollars, they all of a sudden just printed 50 and added 50 to the pile. Is that hundred dollars still as valuable to you as it was when you only had a hundred of them? Now you got 150. Is that hundred still as valuable to you? Wait, it's still a hundred dollars, but is it as valuable to you? Like, Oh no, no. Because you got 50 more, right? You got 50 more. Exactly. All right. 
So in, in 2008, 2009, 2010, uh, Obama administration and the Fed, they printed out of thin air $800 billion mm. out of thin air. So everybody that is smart is like, wait, there's 800 billion more of these, these greenbacks. Now my shit's not worth as much because there's 800 billion more out of thin air. Now in the last few months, they printed 3 trillion more and made that 800 billion that got printed look like small potatoes. All right. So, uh, gold, there's a limited amount. I mean, there's only one, I mean, unless some asteroid hits and lands softly with a bunch of gold on it, like, that's it, bro. Earth is, is limited. You know what I mean? Bitcoin, there's only like 21 million of 21 them. It's million. limited. So uh, land, they're not making any more land. It's, it's limited. You know what I mean? So uh, putting your things in, in limited assets um, and a lot of the cryptocurrencies, um, they're not limited like Bitcoin. And the, the people that own it, they just like pump new shares basically. And, and it's a scam. And so I'd rather put my dollars into something that's limited because dollars are not limited. They're going to keep printing. They it, keep printing. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, you know, if you're holding and holding cash and you're, you're a saver, you're, you're actually losing, you know, three to 5%. You know, they say the inflation rates two to 3%. I actually think it's more like 6%. You're losing money. Yep. Uh, just leaving it in the bank like that. And so I'm a, I'm a big believer in Bitcoin. I hundred percent. In fact, I'll be on record right now. I think Bitcoin will be the number one asset class over the next decade. You know, yeah. it's crazy. I don't think, I don't think that's a far fetched statement. Some people might think it is, but me personally, I'm in the same boat with you, bro. I feel the, the same way you feel about Bitcoin is the same way. I, I've been investing since 2017, like summer or around summer, 2017, and I like I sold some at its peak when it was you know when it really went crazy, but I kept majority of it and I still hold on to this day. I, I firmly like believe in it. And what like what sold me like I already had a belief in it, but then like in 2017 was I think 2017 28 or 2018 I started because I'm in I'm in uh, Northern Cal. I'm by Silicon Valley, and they always had these conferences and stuff. So I would go, me and my girl, we would always go, and I'm like I'm going just to see like what's going on here. So it'd be like hundreds of people there, all Asians there, like uh, representatives from all the major companies in the in the in the country, and they will all get up on stage <clears throat> and talk about how their company is doing certain stuff for cryptocurrencies. They're investing in Bitcoin. They're investing in different cryptocurrencies. So I'm like, wait, you know how the news they'll shit on it. So I'm like, wait, on the news, all these companies so-called is supposedly shitting on Bitcoin and crypto, but these conferences they're talking about how they buying all the crypto. So I'm like, wait, this ain't making no sense. Then you understand how it's a it's a scarce commodity. Like it's only 21 million. Then you got the uh the halving that's coming soon. So it's like, wait, all right, let me keep buying more. Let me keep holding on to more. So me, like you said, I'm a I'm a I don't, even though I don't speak about it much, I'm a I'm a I'm a believer long term for sure. I think like you said, I think it's gonna be one of those to, in a, within a decade, one of those best assets you can have. Yeah, man. And then think about this with the way that the world economy is going and the, the geopolitical and all that garbage and what's happening. I mean, let's say I want to move out of the country in a few years and I want to, uh, I want to send my mom a hundred thousand dollars. Right. 
for me to be able to send her a hundred thousand dollars, they're going to be checking through my statements and looking at all this garbage and I'm going to get taxed and I'm going to get fined or whatever. It's going to take money and all that, bro. I could send her a hundred thousand dollars of Bitcoin in like 30 seconds and it'll cost like, you know, a a fraction of a dollar basically. Um, so it's just, it's smarter money, man. And, uh, I think that, uh, because it's new, people were scared of it because it's volatile. People are scared of it, but, uh, you watch man, when int- institutional money starts getting in oh, there. Oh, it's a wrap. It's, it's a over, wrap, bro. bro. It's yeah. over. When, inst- when institutional money gets involved, it's over. Like at, at this moment right now, it's almost at, it's almost at $12,000. Yeah. A couple years ago, like when I first got involved with the crypto, it was like, man, I'm trying to think. I could be wrong. I don't want to say off the top of my head. When I first got a ball, I think it was like around three thousand. If if that, I want to check. Let me. Matter of fact, let me let me get on my phone and check as well. Blockfolio. <laughs> my first right transaction on. for Bitcoin was um, June fifteenth, twenty seventeen. I paid. I got it at twenty three hundred dollars. Oh, you got. So you. Oh, you got in before me then. See, I got in. It was three, it was in three thousands. Got it. So this was, this was in uh, 2017. Let me, let me see if I can find my first transaction as well. It was, yeah, three in the three thousands. So that was like 2017. So, and before, but before that, earlier that year, cause when, when I first heard about Bitcoin, I was overseas. So I was in the military at the time I was deployed. So I kept hearing about it. And at this time, this is when I first started saving up money. So I'm like, I, I, I'm like getting financially intelligent. I'm knowing like I need to invest my money. So I keep hearing about Bitcoin while I'm there. And I'm like, man, is this, this a real thing? Like, I don't know. I was just questionable about it. So as soon as I got home, I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to take the chance. If it don't work, it don't work. If it do, it do. So uh-huh. it ended up working. Like I said, when I when I first started buying, I used to say, I'm like, I know this ain't gonna last. I'm like, this is cause it was going up so crazy, bro. I'm like, man, this is way too easy. This ain't gonna work. And then I'm like, nah, bro. The more I but start believing it, I'm like, no, nah, I need to, I need to uh, start holding on to it. But no, nah, that's that's real, man. And and for the people that's listening to this, we not saying like, obviously, I always say do your due diligence. Like, don't just hear what we saying and start going by cryptocurrencies, going to buy Bitcoin. Cause we, I don't want to be responsible for it if something goes wrong. So don't just take what we saying for face value, please, please. If you're interested in this, do your due diligence. Don't just listen to what we saying and say, Oh, they made money. I'm going to do it. Don't do that. Please. Yeah. I'm begging you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think any exposure more than 10% of your net worth in, in it is, is, is probably too much cause it is still very risky and it could yep. go to zero, but it's, it's a 10% thing that I'm willing to bet on. But yep. At the end of the day, man, I mean, real estate metals have been around for, you know, forever, bro. And so uh, I'm a big fan of those. Um, and and I'm by no means am I like a Bitcoin maximalist or I think right. that it's like the future of the world. But I, I do think it's going to have its hand for a libertarian type minded individual that doesn't mm-hmm. want to rely on the government. And um, President Cleveland in like 1890, he said that the people should support the government, not the government supporting the people. And we're coming into this time right now where everybody is getting mad at Trump and mad at the government because they're not taking care of them enough. But that's not what the government's there for. The right. government is not there to hold your hand. The government's not there to make you your money. The government's not. You live in America, which is a capitalist country. Yep. The government is there. Um, 
to to support the the framework of society, but not to support society. And so, mm. um, Bitcoin, in my opinion, is a bet against a bet against that going the wrong way. Yeah, I, I I love that man. That's something that's that's very important. What you just said, man. If somebody, you guys, people gotta understand when whoever can fund you and everything you're doing, they can control you. So you and you shouldn't want to be controlled by anyone. So that's why it's important for you shouldn't depend on the government. If you obviously people go through things and sometimes they need those assist those that assistance, but long term, if you are under that, you should try to get up under it because as long as long as you under that. They'll always be in control of you. You don't want anyone in control of you. Let me ask you this: Out of the all the people that got the twelve hundred dollars stem stem money, um, how many of them do you think took that twelve hundred and uh, bought um, a cheap car, or bought some furniture, or bought something on Craigslist and flipped it and made two thousand? How many? I was if I was put, I'll do a percentage. I'll say, like, man. This probably being nice, I would say less than five percent of the people that got it. I think so too. Now, if they put it in Bitcoin, that'd be worth two thousand today as well. Two thousand a day. And the reason why I say that is there'll be a lot of people, probably not listeners of your podcast, because if you're listening to to uh, Zig and D's podcast, you're probably more capitalist minded. But there's probably a lot of family members that people might have that got that twelve hundred and they didn't do anything productive with it. And they probably spend it on dumb shit. And those are the people that are going to complain that they didn't get enough or Mm. they need to get more again. But you got to like rework your framework a little bit. Okay. I got this gift from the government that I probably will never get again. How can I take this and use it as a launching pad and take that 1200 and turn it in? How can I put that into marketing for wholesale and make a $10,000 assignment fee? So, you know, people with the victim mindsets, I feel, I feel sorry for them. And, and, you know, the argument of people needing it, yes, for sure. But how can you take that and how can you start turning it into more money? And even if it's something like, even if you, somebody does like, like, you know what I'm saying? Penny pitching, like, just keep it. You know what I'm saying? Like, just keep that money until you figure it out. What can I do with it to to make it better? Don't just get it. Well, it's probably too late now. (laughs) But if you get another one, don't just get it and be like, oh, man, I want this. I'm about to go buy something immediately. Obviously, if you got bills and things of that nature that that, that's going to help you with, use that money to help you. But if you like you got money for bills and stuff already, don't just blow that 1200 If you get another one, just think about it. Go over things so you could do something smart with it. But you you, you preach it, man. Like on this podcast, I talk about it all the time, how like, the 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 victim mentality it, there is no benefit to it zero like you know what i'm saying even if like let's say you're a conspiracy theorist and let's say all the things you believe in are true which you have like aliens and stuff all that kind of shit let's say if you believe all let's say if you believe all all that so let's say let's say if it's true if you have that victim mentality, what is that still doing for you like nothing. you know what i'm saying it's, it's not it's not doing nothing for you so it's best to have a mentality of I can do whatever. Can't nothing stop me. Mm-hmm. I can get a billion dollars if I put my mind to it and put my effort to it. It's best to have that mentality and be on the other side of that. Me personally, that's what I think. And I promise you this, if you can't make money with 1200 or you can't manage 1200, you ain't going to be able to do it with 12,000. You won't be able to do it with 120,000. Right. You damn sure won't be able to do it with 1.2 million. And so mm. start use that use stuff like and I know we're getting on a tangent, but use these free gifts as a as a as what it is, as a gift and turn it into something positive. Man, hey, 
you 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 speaking you speaking facts now uh getting getting back on to real estate so so right now if you don't mind sharing like what what's your uh portfolio looking like so it's mostly single families duplexes on the east coast in norfolk by the military base oh shit yeah yeah and i'm actually um i'll buy like cherry pick great deals now but i'm no longer just trying to add the smaller stuff to my portfolio i'm actually just stacking a bunch of liquid cash because i want to jump into the self-storage and mobile home park game Mm. Uh, and i'd be down for some apartment buildings too but um i found that uh unless i'm like local the economies of scale like uh uh, what's her name aisha Aisha Selden. So yeah, like, me. you know, she's living in Philly and killing it with the single families. Um, yep. You know, B's killing it in Memphis with the single families. Me, I want to, like, travel the world. So I need, like, you know, uh, like the mobile home park, or the self-storage, or the apartment buildings where I can kind of leverage out a, a lot of that stuff. Um, so I'm kind of done with – I mean, I'm, I'm about to be closing on another single family soon. That's going to be a rental. But okay. I'm kind of done with um, – with that game and uh, I want to get more into the commercial space. So mm. I just been stacking, stacking. Cash. Hey, I, I've been on the same shit this year, bro. Just stacking, just stacking and stacking and stack. Cause what's going on and you never know what's going next and whatever happens next when the market, cause the market really hasn't been affected by all this going on. Mm-hmm. So, and it, and it's bound, it's, it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. I'm like, when this happens, I want to be prepared. I want to be in a position where I can go crazy and mm-hmm. stack up on a ton more, a ton of more assets. So, it's been the same thing for me this year, bro. Just stacking and stacking, stacking. I've been buying a few things here and there, like you know, still buying stocks, still investing in crypto and stuff like that. But I'm still I'm investing in stuff right now that's still liquid that I know I could pull out of for like hard assets. And really, I haven't really been buying any this year. I just been making moves and stacking the money. And the the ones that I do buy within six months, I get my cash back. So it's I do okay, the, right. I, I do the Burr model and I buy mm-hmm. them at like. 65 70% of ARV minus the rehab, fix them up, pull the cash out, keep them as a rental. They cash flow about 500 a month. And, um, and I, I get the cash back, but uh, I'm just a little concerned about the market right now. So I actually right. sold, I sold off a couple of non-performers and I'm just, just kind of waiting and praying, bro. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, uh, you know, that Birdman meme where he's like going like this. <laughs> With the hands. Yeah. Hey, yeah I, I'm kind of just waiting, you know? Hey, I think that's how every, every uh, entrepreneur, person with a hustler mindset, I think they all doing that same thing. Cause like I said, we all can see the market hasn't really been affected by this, but we know it's only a matter of time before it, it does become affected. Bro. And, I'll tell you this though, man. Running my wholesale operation and the fix and flip operation, there's, it's being affected overall. No, it's kind of like, um, let's say you have a, you're following like an ETF in the stock market, you know, like the whole thing has not been affected, but there's a couple companies that got their ass whooped and you can cherry pick them. And so, um, I went on an appointment today. It's a divorce and, uh, this, I'm closing a deal uh, assignment tomorrow. It's going to be a 43 K assignment deal. It was a divorce and a forbearance. Um, I'm starting to see more come to the table in the different markets that I'm in where it's like uh, divorces, uh, uh, mortgage forbearances, notice of defaults, but the defaults, you know, they delayed all the auctions. So the, the foreclosures aren't happening quite yet, but I'm already seeing them like trickle in. 
Mm. Uh, the, the rental I got in contract that I'll be closing on is a short sale out, out in Norfolk. Um, it's at like 50% of ARV. And so I'm seeing them. Yeah. You just gotta, you just gotta like, uh, you just gotta look for them and, and be able to find them. them. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's true. but overall the market, uh, you're a hundred percent on, on target, bro. The overall, it, it hasn't been affected much. Yeah. In, in fact, with rates this low and, and, and pent up demand of buyers, it's probably actually, uh, gone up. Good. Yeah, yo, that's what it was looking like, man. I was looking at a property recently out here that we was looking at buying. And then I checked again a couple months later, it went up. I'm like, how yeah. the hell did it go up during the damn pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> like that don't even make sense. So I'm like, yes, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm just waiting on it. But the one, the thing I will say though, for the people that's listening and they want to get into real estate, I would say, if you find, if you come across a good deal right now during the pandemic and you have the resources to get it and forget the deal, do it. Don't wait mm-hmm. for the market to, you know what I'm saying, bottom out or because nobody knows when it's going to happen. And that way, when that does happen, you're going to have so much competition. It's going to be so hard for you to get that deal. So if you come across a good deal, even right now, still get it. If you got the resources to do it, don't wait. Yeah, because, I mean, on a long enough time horizon, right. you know, it's going to be a good deal. A good deal always. And you're going to get all that experience. You're going to get all that tax write-off, the depreciation, yep. everything. Just, just you know, promise me and promise Zig that, that it cash flows. I wouldn't buy anything right now that's not cash flowing Man. day one. Man, <laughs> unless flowing. unless you like on my mine, obviously, unless it's like a duplex or a triplex, the single families that I burr, they're not cash flowing, obviously, because I'm remodeling. But I right. have the cash reserves to be able to handle that. Yep. But um, I, I highly recommend being safe right now for sure. Yeah, no, nothing risk, nothing, nothing risky. too crazy. Especially if you know you don't have. I always tell people, I'm like, if you know you can't handle the worst case scenario, especially right now, don't even do it. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's so many unknowns what's going on right now. You don't want to get into nothing that you can't get out of and you stuck in a bond. I don't want to see nobody get into that situation. So yeah. that's definitely uh and I damn, I forgot I want to ask you, uh damn, I had something else that just slipped my mind, man. Yeah, I know it was regarding the bird method. But how like generally speaking, how do you feel about the bird method? Because I know a lot of people they like they're not really feeling it. But then I know a lot of people like like you, they do it and it, it works for them every time. I mean, I think you make your money on the buy. And so yep. most people that are doing burr or most of slander that I see, uh, Aisha and B, uh, about <laughs> the burr method is because they're probably seeing people that buy it at, you know, 85% of ARV and it only cash flows 200 a month. I mean, to me, that's a, that's a bullshit deal. I, I don't think that's a good deal. But if you can get it direct off market with the seller, and buy it at 50, 55, 60% of ARV and remodel it and be refinanced in four or five months and it's cash flowing, you know, 500 and you can put 50% of that 500 away for expenses. I mean, to me, I buy that all day long and I bet you everybody would. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think overall, I think it's one of those, it's like crypto, bro. Overall, the word has like this bad stigma behind it, but there's people doing it right. Yep. And so with the Burr method, I think it's like gotten to be this kind of newbie strategy and it's like this buzzword. And so Aisha and B, I seen them uh, talk bad about it a little bit. They are way more successful investors than me, but I bet if I showed them the deals that I'm doing, um, they, would I bet they would take it. Mm. Yeah. 
That's 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 game right there. And uh, before before we wrap up, I got another question I want to ask you. And this is another. This is random. Like, who are some of the off the top of your head? If you can name them, what's some of the investors or entrepreneurs, business people that you uh looked up to that you still kind of look up to to this day that you could model model your things out there? Because that's a question that people ask all the time. Yeah. So first person is Grant Cardone. Okay. Uh, I think he's mastered the act of uh, making your active income from businesses and putting it into passive income streams such as real estate. He's the he's as good as anybody is that. Uh, Mark Cuban's another one because I feel Please. like he's an innovator. He's a great businessman and he's still fun and he's still yep. a cool dude. He hasn't yep. like lost his way. Yep. Uh, and then the, the other one is uh, is Elon Musk. Cause he just has a fucking attitude and yeah, he, he, he just does it and, and just does it his way. Um, those are probably the three that I would look up to the, the most and, and follow the most. Um, and uh, yeah, man. And then bro, honestly, just being on Twitter and, and following people like you and B and Aisha and just uh, there's a guy named Moses, just all these like successful real estate investors. I honestly, I get a ton of inspiration from that, man. Um, so I think um, the most important thing people can do is do less of aspiring to be this uber successful person that they look up to and spend more time trying to be somebody that's a couple levels ahead of you. Cause you're going to learn more from people like me and Zig mm. than you're going to learn from, from Grant or right. Mark Cuban, mm-hmm. you know, because we're closer to we've, we've been, it's only been a little while since we were at that, at level. that level. And yep. so we still kind of have like the touch for it. You yep. know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I look up to those people, but by no means do I like worship the ground they walk right. on or anything. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing though. The, uh, the worship and the making the idol stuff, that's kind of, uh, that's, that's always been weird to me. Like it's people that, that can inspire you, get motivation from that, that you don't have to, you know what I'm saying? Worship the ground they walk on. But I think that's very important that you said though, like, like how, cause that, that's, that's something that's not talked about a lot, bro. Not thinking about it. Like hearing you say that is like the first time I really heard how, cause you know, when you at the bottom, you will look at somebody that's a billionaire when they're the things that they're doing, it's going to be so out of reach for you to do at your level. So it probably, mm-hmm. it is the most sense to look at somebody that's not on that same level, but still at a good level where you could say, okay, they was where I, where I was not too long ago. Let me see what they did. And maybe I could do those steps in the immediate future compared to yeah. some shit that Mark Cuban did yeah. where it's different times and all that. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you're driving a 92 Civic, uh, you could love a Porsche 911, but you probably shouldn't jump straight to it. Like, like the best thing is to learn how to drive a stick on, on something a little bit nicer, a little bit better. You right. know what I mean? And, and, you know, there's levels to it. Just don't get stuck at, at, at any of the levels. Yeah. Yeah. It. And this was my, this, it can't just, it always came, it always comes back to me, bro. This is the final question I have for you. How you talked about, uh, you talked about, you said this today, you talked about how, uh, pretty much how America is built in favor for entrepreneurs and business people, especially when it yeah. comes to things like taxes and, and stuff like that. Yeah, and that went a little viral. Yeah, just for the people, because it's a it's a major it's a major topic, bro. So just for the people that don't understand it, because this is an extremely, extremely, extremely important topic. Do you mind just like going into that a little deeper so people could grasp what you're saying? What you mean by that? For sure. So the tweet said the U.S. tax code is built 
for business owners and investors, not employees. It's okay to be an employee, but you're better off starting a side hustle or investing so that you can take advantage of the taxes. And then I ended it with, don't complain, instead create and own. And it's facts, bro. Literally, I pay less in taxes than somebody that's on a W-2 salary that could make five times more than me. I pay less in taxes than them because I own real estate. I own a business. I'm my own employee. I have a lot of write-offs. And so, um, bro, when you're a W-2 employee, you can't write nothing off. So for me, if I'm going to go to, you know, freaking Mexico to go surfing, I can write off my flights because while I was in Mexico, I looked at uh, some real estate. Wink, wink. You know what I mean? Like, bro, I didn't really look at that shit. You know what I mean? But I can say I did. Right. And you, so you had, a, you had a business dinner. Yeah, bro. And then when my when my my girlfriend is my interior designer, so I take her out to dinner, and it was a it was a meeting with my with my design consultant. Mm. You know what I mean? And so there's certain ways where I'm doing it all legally. Um, so here's the thing. The reason why I said that is because I'm sick, especially where we're at right now with the pandemic. I feel like the time to complain was April and May, but bro, if you're still complaining, you're doing it the wrong way. If you're still leaning on the government, I feel like you've had enough time to adapt and, and improve. And the government is not here to support you. We are here to support the government. And I try to support them as little as I can because right. they don't do jack shit with my money. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, it's all going to places that we don't know where it's going. So um, plain and simple, when you own a business, you can write off a lot of your activities. So flight, travel, gas, auto, um, you know, certain uh, technology things, your computer, your phone, your phone bill, your utility bills, office use of your home, 30% of your rent or your mortgage can go towards office. A lot of things that let's say you made $100,000, but all those things add up to $50,000 in expenses. Now you're only going to pay tax on your 50,000 left over. Whereas somebody on a W-2 salary, if they paid a hundred thousand, they're paying tax on the whole hundred thousand. Yep. So I made us, I might've spent 50 K, but now I don't have to pay taxes on that 50 K as well. I only pay on the 50 left over. So that's how the U S tax code is literally set up. And then when you own real estate, all the interest on your loan is a write-off. Guess who's paying the interest? I'm not the renter right. is, you know what I mean? Technically. Uh, depreciation. So say the house is worth a hundred thousand dollars, divide a hundred thousand by 26 and a half or 27 and a half. And that's how much I can depreciate off my income every single year. Um, all the expenses on the house to fix it up. I don't have to pay taxes on that gets taken off my income. So it's made for that. And so stop complaining about how America is set up and start taking advantage of it. Cause this is the best country in the world to make money and get rich. It's not the best company in the world to be a freeloader and rely on the government. If you want to do that, go to Sweden, go to Canada and be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. My girl's Canadian. I love that country, but I'm here to get money and, and dip. And uh, I I'm going to do it here in America. And then I'll, I'll dip to the islands when I feel like it. Man, that's talk your shit, bro. Like I, I, I can't stress it enough. I say it a lot. How, how America is the country. If you're trying to get it, you got, and that's what you focus on. America is the place to be, mm-hmm. but you know what I'm saying? But if you want to, like you just talked about, you trying to freeload and stuff like that, you, you're going to feel like it's, 
You're going to feel you're like, gonna get man, eaten alive. going to get eaten alive. So it's like, you got to, you know what I'm saying? It's a, what they say, the country is a corporation. So, and it favors other corporations. So you got to keep that in mind. Understand the layout of where you at. I always say that. Understand the laws of the land and play that game to the best of your ability. And so you can live the life that you want to live. Yeah. It's, it's as simple as that to me. 100% <laughs> life by design, bro. Yep, life by design. Man, that's that's real, man. And before before I let you go, bro, I was just want to say I really appreciate you coming on, man. You, I know you're a busy man, got a lot going on, so I, I appreciate you taking the time to chop it up with us. This was an amazing episode. And uh, before I let you go, do you mind then plugging all your stuff where people can find you, follow you, listen to your podcast, everything? For sure, man. I appreciate it. It was an honor to be here. Everybody listening, hey, this podcast is fantastic. You're really doing Thank your you. thing, man. And, and shout Thank out to you. D as well. Thank you, bro. Um, so for me, I run a podcast called the Life Worth Chasing Podcast. It's all about helping entrepreneurs build businesses that they can become what's actually called an entrepreneur where you're working on the business, not in the business. So we talk mm. about high level business strategies and then investing in a way that you can build legacy wealth so that you're working hard all this time and you're doing it for a reason. And you're not going to be 60 years old and broke. You're going to be 60 years old and rich as fuck. Right. <laughs> um, and then you can find me on Twitter. I am Chase Maher. That's uh, C-H-A-S-E-M-A-H-E-R. I am Chase Maher. That's probably the best way to reach me. And the podcast Life We're Chasing is on all platforms. You can find me on Instagram and some other stuff too, but I'm really usually uh, just on Twitter. Boom. And that's all we have for you, bro. So for those that's watching it, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Xavier C. Miller. You can also find D at uh, Deanna Kent. You can also follow the podcast at M Mindsets Pod. And uh, if you're interested in getting involved in real estate needs to help, you go to you can go to parkhillcapitalventures.com. And that's all we have for you guys. Appreciate y'all for listening. See you guys next episode. Peace. Up Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that shit that everybody voucher. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag. To your bank account, need an accountant. I study millionaires cause I was born a visionary. You still believe in limitations, why you acting scary? You can't distract me from the paper, I've been chasing greatness. I'm stacking now and balling later in the conversation. We strategizing, monetizing, piling up investments. And sacrificing temporary sh- for bigger blessings. Yeah, a tapped in boss mind state. I multiply my grind rate and I match the way I vibrate. Gotta get your brain right if you're trying to make a million dollars. If you ain't gonna do it for yourself, then do it for your mama. Only stay surrounded by them people if you know they solid. Elevate your hustle up today to double up your profit. Trying to learn some game, Xavier gonna talk about it. No Deanna, speak that sh- that everybody voucher. Ain't no more excuses valid. Get up off the couch and get up in your bag to your bank account. Need that. And the counter.